Hello, beautiful light bulb souls. This is Trisha Barker. Thank you so much for your attendance at the second annual online near-death experience summit. If you missed it this Sunday, there will be a replay link to purchase through the University of Heaven, and I will leave that link below. Also, thank you to everyone who has purchased my book, either through Audible or ebook or paperback. It means so much to hear from readers and to hear your journey with spirituality and with healing and with some of the issues that my book brings up in education and in other walks of life. But thank you so much for listening to this podcast. This is a remake of some of my YouTube videos that I've uploaded to the podcast format because I know that many people do enjoy not using data and listening to podcasts. So it's great to connect with you and may you be blessed. Hello, beautiful Lightfold souls. My name is Trisha Barker, and I am here with Daniel Bernicheski, and we're going to talk about his near-death experience. I'm also going to start asking guests a new question because as I'm traveling and connecting with college students, I want to hear what everyone's idea of heaven is, even if they've been there or not been there. And so that's my new focus with mystics and spiritual teachers and near-death experiences, experiencers, and everyone out there. So, hi, Daniel. Welcome to my program. Thanks for coming. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Cool. And my first question to you is really after your experiences in the afterlife or after your experiences during a near-death experience, uh, how, what is your concept of heaven? My concept of heaven is that state of being in which you're in no need of anything. You're in a state of, you're in a state of, of pureness as you are. I like that. That's, that's well said because here we need a drink of water. You know, I need pain medicine for my neck. I don't feel totally comfortable in this body. There's always something this I need, I need, I, I want, I want voice. And to be that taken care of and that blissful is unusual. Yes. Um, it's to me, it's the state of, um, I like to, I always use the same term. I like to call it the absolute zero point where you're perfection as you are and you don't need to be anything else and you don't want to be anything else. You are as you are for all eternity and you're accepted that way as a state of consciousness. And there's nothing that feels better than that. Do you think we can embody more of that here? I, I hear a lot of near-death experiencers and you're one of them and I think maybe because you're younger, you know, that longing for that other realm or that, uh, you know, the pain of life sometimes is overwhelming. Do you think we can bring more of that experience here? It's really difficult to strip your ego over here because you're always being bombarded with some sort of stimulus from every angle at every conceivable moment, every single day. But um, if you can get into that state of, you know, I don't need anything. I'm just loved. I'm pure as I am. And I'm accepted as I am. If you could get into that state of mind, which is what I've been really struggling to do for many years. It's, it's been really hard, but I have had moments of that. And you're just, you are really in that moment, what it's called, you know, in that moment of one. I think that's the key. I like that. I like that a lot. And you're, you're right. The ego and the stimulus and the past pains and what we see on television can sometimes uh, get us out of our center and out of that purity. I find that if I go to nature and meditate on that purity, sometimes mm -hmm. I'm able to overlay that onto my life and feel greater peace and greater harmony. Yeah. And the, there's also the question of, you know, identity. Who am I? what you're always struggling with the question of you know 
who am I as the, am I this character that I'm playing? Am I the pure essence? Am I a combination of both? What, what am I trying to do here? What am I trying to override? You know, it's like, there is a struggle taking place. You know, there is some, uh, like a, like a tension, a convergence at times that, you know, your soul tries to overcome. Yes. But who, what is the purity of who you are? I think is one of the key meanings to life. Who are you? you're asking yourself that question <laughs> hmm, beautifully said so i know a lot of people watch my channel because they want to hear a near-death experience story so if you don't mind tell me a little bit about who you were before and then just ever so briefly about what happened you know the physical part and then jump into the afterlife and i might ask some questions along the way yeah of course um well um i was 19 years old it was around 2008 and um, I started to have a, a medical condition. I was under a lot of stress at the time. And um, I started having a lot of chest pains and, and like heart palpitations. And my mom was a respiratory therapist, so she would start checking my blood pressure. And uh, it would be really high, like 180 over 200. And uh, we ended up going to a series of doctors and uh, did EKGs, all kinds of examinations, and uh, somehow they were never able to figure out what the issue was. They put me on all kinds of like blood pressure medications, which would help for a while, and then they wouldn't help at all. My blood pressure would still be going up. So to, to call it a mysterious illness, I, I guess it really was. I went to one of the best doctors in San Diego, and she, she called me an anomaly because she did an EKG right and all these exams and everything was actually fine with the heart so there was no issues so they couldn't figure out the insane blood pressure I guess possibly just a lot of stress do you think that your soul was in crisis like on some level do you think this near-death experience was maybe meant to happen and that you were having some sort of intense crisis yeah, my soul definitely at the time was in crisis. I was, I spent my whole life moving between my dad in New York and my mom on the West Coast. And I was just kind of in this zone where I was just, I didn't know where I wanted to stay or what I wanted to do. And it, it was definitely a crisis. And I moved back to the West Coast at the time. So definitely. Hmm, interesting. So when you left your body what happened first so the situation was was um uh, my mom who is religious of russian orthodox she she took me to uh, a monastery a greek monastery in northern california in in the hopes of me getting healed which i actually did <laughs> <laughs> so um we went up there and um it was during the day around the afternoon and uh, I was not feeling very well. I had a lot of chest pain again and I was having difficulty breathing. And it was after, after a mass, I decided to go lay down in, in, one, of the, in one of the rooms that these separate little rooms. And um, I went to go lay down and it, it wasn't even maybe five minutes before I started to notice like something wasn't right. I wasn't sleeping at all. It wasn't in, in any way a dream state. I was wide awake. I was just laying down. And um, I was just, I was just there. And I, just, I noticed myself, my heart stopped beating. I literally felt it. And after I felt my heart stop beating, I felt my, la my own last breath. I literally felt my body like not breathing where and at that point I I climbed out of my chest area of what I perceive as my consciousness and I ended up on the ceiling staring down at myself for what felt like an eternity I was there for such an absurdly long period of time because I I could really couldn't figure out who was laying down there, why I was looking at them, what was going on. I was just, 
completely confused and I started noticing things. I started noticing I could see 360 degrees all around me. So I was like, hmm. <laughs> then I started noticing more things. I started noticing I could see through the wall. I saw through the wall and I saw the monks chanting and praying. But not only was I able to see them chanting and praying, I was able to feel everything that they were feeling while they were doing it. And um, finally the realization hit me that that was me laying on the bed. After, I don't know, no time, but it, it must have probably literally been about like what would be 20 minutes, 30 minutes of just staying there on the ceiling. And the moment I realized that that was me, I got sucked up through the ceiling. Like, um, I like to use the analogy of vacuum cleaner because it did feel like a vacuum cleaner just sucked me up. And um, I started ascending higher and higher above the earth. And it was literally like at certain points, I would be at a certain point and I would stop, then I would continue, then continue. And the first point I was probably just above the state of California. And I noticed um, all these wildfires because at the time there was a lot of lightning and the whole state, Northern California, it was, it was full of wildfires. And uh, to me, it seemed really interesting. So I focused my attention on a city. I don't remember what city it was, but most likely San Francisco. And uh, I started, I noticed the people walking around. I was able to focus my attention on multiple points at the same time. Like I would see one person walking around and from that one person, it would branch out to like 50 different people. And I would be aware of every single one of them at the same time. And yeah, and, it's funny how our intention to see or intention to fly, how it's quick there and that we can manipulate a lot of things instantly there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then I went slightly higher. Uh, I was able to see the entire earth and the entire earth. It was surreal. I still don't have a lot of words to describe how it looks like it was like it was like alive but at the same time it had it had a quality about it that really reminded me of what they say is a simulation it had it really had that a tinge of like ai quality to it to me that's how it appeared at least but it wasn't flat right we can rule that out <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, it was really round and beautiful. And it actually, it looked like it was actually breathing or something. Like its essence was like breathing. Like it was alive, like very alive. But mm. at the same time, like looking down, I'm like, because I used to play this game called SimCity as a kid. I don't know if you heard of it. Yeah, and it was like, this kind of looks like SimCity, like I'm in a computer or something. But wow. in, in like a good, in like an organic way. It's I don't know how to explain it. It was really hard to describe but definitely some kind of simulated quality i felt about it well and as we're talking i'm thinking since we're able to see and create there in that spirit world very quickly a lot of people say that we're just slowed down here that we're certainly creating our realities but we have to think that thought like a hundred times a thousand times a million times to actually get there and so people repeat things and feelings and reactions and and so maybe we are creating a lot more possibility yeah yeah definitely so i, I, I would like stop at these points and um it would just keep going further and further out to where I saw the entire galaxy, and then I saw the entire universe, and which then got enveloped by this white cloud type thing. And um, that's, that's when I mentioned earlier, I like to call it the absolute zero point. It was like the absolute nothing, the absolute purity of nothing and everything at the same time. Do you call that God or are you like zero point better? Yeah. I mean, did you feel love? Um, what, what exactly? Uh, yeah, did you... yeah, no, yeah. So at first I noticed the, the white clouds, the white clouds. And then that's when I noticed the golden light sparkling. And uh, at that point, I still felt like I was in a body. 
and when I send it into the the white cloud and the the white star god, I was facing up, and the sense of having a body dissipated, and I just became this blue orb, this this small blue orb, and it was like the purest form of myself. And this this is when things got really weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So most most near death experiencers, like I did, retain the body to some degree, but the spiritual form of the body, you know, that I felt that I changed form into a child and. But to become a blue orb, how did the experience change at that point when you were just this ball of light? It was a lot more liberating. Huh. I didn't have to worry. It's just I could just float around freely and carelessly and just be whatever. It was really it was a freedom like no other. I loved it, and everything around me too. At a, at a sphere was also an orb of different colors: yellow, blue, pink. And uh, they're all gravitating towards this light, basically. So I, w I was there and some spirits showed up, which was also in the form of a blue orb, which I recognized I felt like I knew for a billion years, but I had no clue who they were, even though I knew absolutely who they were. And they had a greater sense of familiarity than anybody I've ever known on earth. But I still, like, I can't, I just saw this form. I just knew them as a soul. And uh, they came up to me and he started to show me he, she, I'm not entirely sure. He started to show me this wheel. It was like... Um, it looked like a transparent wheel that it was just revolving, but at the same time, everything in it was taking place simultaneously, kind of like a film reel, like imagine a film reel. And it was just going in every direction and staying still simultaneously, everything all at once. And I would look into it and I saw what I perceived to be the earth and all the events of the earth from beginning to end kind of i remember seeing different empires falling you know medieval kings and queens i remember clearly seeing the roman empire specifically and all the blood and war and all these things taking place all simultaneously all contained within this wheel and um i was shown it and um after that, uh, the, the orb that I was communicating with sort of left. I went back into the light, which this part bothers me more than anything else. Very much so, because I started communicating with the light in a conversation. But I don't remember a single word that was told to me. Well, maybe strange. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Maybe you need to do what I did, uh, which was spiritual activation, and I'll I'll give you the name of the the uh, guy Greg uh, who did that. And yeah. basically, you can be taken back to that point and get more information in in oh, a session like that. that. Yeah. I mean, I had an idea. I have an idea of what it was. Like, I I know that I wanted to stay there. And I, I believe it was sort of like an argument type situation where I just didn't want to leave. However, there was more to it. I, I know that like he was speaking something to my soul that I, that I wasn't meant to remember consciously on earth for whatever reason. I, maybe he was trying to implant it into my subconscious is what I'm trying to get out of it, I suppose. I don't know. But I do know one thing for sure is that I didn't remember it for a reason because everything else I remember clearer than any other thing I've ever remembered in my life in absolute detail, except for the conversation. But still, it did, to this day, it does bother me because I do want to know what was said. Right, right. Because <laughs> it was God or, you know, it was creator. It was, um, and, and that instruction or that, that communication to your soul 
It may be simply unfolding in time. You know, your soul may recognize yeah. it. It may be something you don't have to consciously know. That's something that, that I comforted myself with because I don't remember everything that Angel said, you know, when I was initially yeah. there. Yeah, and same for for the wheel of time. I mean, I, I still to this day can't understand the exact purpose of why I was shown this besides the fact that I love history and I also like predicting future events. So I don't know if there's a correlation there, but I still don't quite 100% understand the purpose of me being shown this, what I, I call the wheel of time. So. Yeah. So in that wheel of time, I heard an interview with you and Sandra Champlain, and you said that you saw kings and queens and people who were considered very important, but yeah. they seemed pretty insignificant that this life is very short. They just seem, they just looked absurd to me. That's the sense I was getting as a soul looking at this, like all these people with, with this huge inflated ego and all this pride just standing. Oh, I'm a, king of this nation and from my perspective they just looked ridiculous you're a king so what yeah. you're on this tiny little earth who cares kind of the sense i was feeling yeah and that's funny now now we have all these influencers and celebrities and you know there's so many different ways for People, egos right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> egos to be inflated when this is a short amount of time I always come back to this idea that if I was to die right now, you know, if there was a comet heading for Texas, I would just send love to everyone. It's like, hey, live a good life, you know, like be love, be be happiness. And I think that the, a lesson like that, was there something that you gleaned from seeing time move so quickly or how you looked at humanity in that space? Well, the lesson I would say was that I mean, the thing that, that stands out to me the most is like, we take it too seriously, maybe? That's kind of what I got. Like, here's all this crazy stuff happening, and you guys are killing each other and fighting, and you're all taking it so seriously type of a feeling. That's what I got. Interesting. So maybe more humor is needed about the whole process that lighten up. Yeah, which I've definitely pertains to me because I have trouble lightening up sometimes even now, you know, for sure. So yeah, and it is almost ego in both directions, isn't it? Whether it's ego of I'm grand and I'm wonderful or oh, I'm so victimized, you know, and I think um, both is ego, you know, that really yeah there's a lot to be grateful for. There's a lot to enjoy. There's a lot, uh, you know, on, on both ends of the spectrum. And so how do we find that balance between being important enough to follow our soul's mission and our soul's journey and be of help and service to this world, but also not to take on so much that we feel beaten down by, by this life. Yeah, and just sort of attempt to synchronize yourself with this wheel of time or the game that's being played, too. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting because I have this idea quite often, and it seems like your near-death experience is confirming something I think about, which is, yeah, we're manifesting some things in the middle of this collective unconsciousness that's manifesting a lot. You know, our, our brains are creating some of this but we're also in a particular time period. You know, we're kind of locked into this place. That is really key here. I'm really glad you mentioned that. That is something that I've been pondering for years because when I see this wheel, it's, it's almost like I got this sense that a lot of these larger events or changes in history were actually... I don't know if I want to say set in stone, that's a strong term, but they were definitely planned in some way. It, they're planned to, an, to a degree for sure. So like it, it looked like a film reel, so we're to a certain degree living in some sort of planned idea of God, I suppose. But we can change the plan, but it's still, it's still a film reel, but you could... You could change your role inside it a little bit, I guess. I don't know. Interesting. Interesting. So after you saw this wheel and all of time, what happened? Yeah, so I was conversing with God. And um, 
at that point, he just slowly sent sent me back. It felt real slow for some reason. I just everything was in reverse. I saw the galaxy again. I saw the Earth again, and then I just slammed into my body, and one of the most painful experiences of my life that I I recall like I woke up I, like breathing really heavy. I just sat up and I. I felt I got hit by a train or something. I couldn't, I couldn't like come to for at least like 15, 20 minutes after that. And I, I w w went up and looked at the mirror and I was pale, like white as a ghost. I'm like, yeah, something, <laughs> something definitely isn't right. So yeah. And what happened after that was um, the next day I checked my blood pressure and it was 120 over 80. So you were and back my, to your my so, pulse was perfectly normal. <laughs> normal. So yeah. something about that experience, that near death experience, that leaving your body brought about physical healing. It brought about physical healing. Yeah, definitely wow. it did. And I returned to the doctor, and I, I didn't tell them about that, of course. But they, she did all the tests again, and she's like, everything is fine. <laughs> you didn't tell them about the wheel of time. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on really cool, she was a really cool doctor too really <laughs> open-minded type person but still you know yeah <laughs> oh i know isn't it amazing that we can talk openly though with so many people now about these experiences and how yeah. they change us and so you were young at the time and did you go through more dark nights of the soul trying to make sense of what happened to you and and who you we're going to be in this world yeah like the next three years were, were just very very bad i don't know nothing like made any sense it was i mean i've had i've had other experiences following that which i did talk to you about but um yeah i just i was like in this malaise like i was just stumbling around couldn't figure anything out like I just wanted to feel that that bliss again, you know. One one important thing I forgot to mention, you know, when I was up there with God, it was you know a waterfall of love, and the love was like not only like people say there's no judgment, but I, I want to say it's beyond no judgment. It's like you're gonna be loved no matter what for all eternity, just as you are forever and ever and ever and it doesn't matter what happens like i use the analogy i could blow up a whole galaxy and god would still love me the same and that's what i felt like this the, a relationship that's just so close it's so close there's no relationship that will ever be closer ever for all eternity than that one you know yeah, as you're talking about that and you're talking about the earth as the simulation, one of the things that I initially felt when I was a soul outside of my body is, oh, this is the reality and this isn't the reality, as if this physical life was not the reality. And that has been something that, you know, I take this very seriously <laughs> again, you know, back and forth, and I, I know that it's important, but. I think that concept is extremely difficult for people who haven't had a near-death experience. Do you want to talk more about reality, how real this is? Um, reality, how real this is. Yeah, I mean, it definitely feels real, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's physical pain. There's hunger. There's, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, there's yeah. being tired of, of working. There's all kind of things. Yeah. That is a really difficult question. Um, what is what is the nature of reality? Is it our is it our senses? Is our is our, is it our perception of those senses? Um, that I really don't know. Like, are we are we projecting this form? Because that is another thing that I got from this was like. When I was there, I felt like there is a portion of you that is always there. So was I projecting myself as this form? Am I doing that right now? Like a video game player? I don't know. I'm not 100% sure. It definitely feels that way sometimes. 
I think, I think it's important to commit to this, you know, that it's important to commit to the body and the reality of this and make it as good and as wonderful as possible. But I think it's also freeing what we've experienced to realize maybe there is this deeper reality to everything. Like, as you said, you know, you can blow up a whole galaxy and you're still loved by God. Then every darkness or everything that occurs here that is painful is not the truth, you know, that is not the reality, is not God, is not love, and that everything in God is love and is truth. Well, actually, I've come to realize that every single thing means something. Every actually, like every single encounter you have, every single that's if anything that I've learned from that experience was that I really started watching what I said to people hmm. because I know that every every word, every encounter, I, I do think even though this reality isn't real per se. Everything you do is important, I feel, though. Every, even the small things, every single thing throughout the day. It has, a, it has a meaning to you, at least, for sure, to your soul. Yeah, and when I say real, what I mean is there's a deeper reality. You know, the spiritual reality is the one that we often forget about here. And that is the one yeah. that, you know, as near-death experiencers, we know that that animates things. We know that that we are being worked through. We know that there's many mysteries that we can't completely figure out while informed because maybe our human brains are just too limited, you know, to take in that knowledge. And, and when you get that kind of knowledge from God, or I got that kind of knowledge from angels, maybe it's just impossible for this human brain to conceive of it all, you know, that it's just something we know on a soul level. Yeah. And as we continue to evolve, though, we'll be able to perceive more and more I think you know like you know how they say we only see a limited spectrum of light you know as time goes on well the veils are gonna thin and we're gonna be able to see more and more and our brains are gonna be able to handle more and more right right well what are some of the experiences that uh put shed more light on that near-death experience spiritual awakenings or moments that you had later I've had so many, <laughs> I, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Like I would have to really think about this because. Uh, we'll just I, pull I, one out of a hat. <laughs> I've had quite a few like over the last few months, oh. like, for, for whatever reason, just really, really vivid, intense dreams, some lucid dreams and some out of body experiences too. Over the years, I've had one really amazing lucid dream uh, about a year ago which I actually haven't really told many people about. It was lucid dream slash out-of-body experience. Um, again, I was, I was taken above the earth, and this time I recall somebody next to me, and he had their hand on, on my shoulder, and I, I would turn, and I, I don't see anybody there, but I know that there was somebody there. And I was taken above the earth in this space, and um, I was in that perception, like like in the ND, I had that same perspective above in space. And he would take like an invisible hand is what I perceived. And he would like flip. It looked like he was flipping the chapter of the earth. Okay, this, is, this sounds really weird, but he, he would like make this gesture and I would see another earth, a parallel version of earth. So... I would go back down and I would see the landscape and the surroundings of the current place that I am in, in a different dimension. And this happened about a dozen times. So go above, he would flip it into a different parallel earth. I would go back down. I would see other avatars of myself living their life in this other reality. And each time I'd go back down, it would be a different landscape. It would be urban or rural. It would be futuristic. It would look like the past. And these were, I, I, I got the sense that these were different versions of Earth, different evolving parallel versions of Earth. Did you get the sense how we can all end up on the best version? <laughs> I, did, I, I didn't get the sense that these were uh, parallel versions of our Earth, though. 
Oh. Completely different dimensions. Hmm. So it's odd though, because I would go back down and I would be in this cityscape, for example, and I would see myself or my form living a life with other forms that I know here living a different type of life. <laughs> I'd go back up and I'd be shown another. And the, some of these places looked absolutely amazing. And some of them just look kind of normal. I don't know what normal is, but. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. So what do you think now the years after the near-death experience, what do you think is the biggest change in the way you think and view the world and, and just exist? You know, like, were you angry before the near-death experience? Are you calmer now? Like what, what type of basic changes do you notice? Definitely. Yeah. I was really, really had a lot of issues growing up, like struggling um, with, with anger, with, you know, kind of like a bipolar personality and and I still struggle with that now but it has definitely gotten significantly better and as over the over the years you know I've kind of learned to more and more kind of be in that stable space of mind and it's not right away you know you know a lot of people think you know you you have this profound experience and bam you're amazing all of a sudden no I was I was a mess and in some ways still am a mess, but I'm getting better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I appreciate the honesty and I try to bring that honesty forward. I think yeah. I was lucky that I had a, a year to process and rest and play around with these things. A lot of people are thrown right back into life. Were you thrown right back into life? Like, did you have to keep working, doing things that you normally did? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I was doing a lot. I was really, really busy at the time and uh, working and going to college and it was really overwhelming and stressful, yeah. So you didn't have that break to process it. So basically, you know, you're forced back into this life after a major experience and then and then you just have to find the time here and there to yeah, process needed it. Money, needed to go back, right back to work and needed to do it all again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's that's challenging. So when you look at, so we'll go, we'll just use anger as an example, because this is something that I um, notice as a change. So I used to be very concerned with the details of life before my near-death experience. So if I was caught in traffic, I was very upset about that, as people can get, no, I could really care less. I'm going to get there when I get there. You know, like I might not like it. I might want to pull off and stretch and, you know, like deal with it, um, you know, physically. But I just don't get so angry over little things because I died <laughs> like in, and today I didn't die. <laughs> and then, you know, so it's, it seems yeah. like it's just easier to accept things um, that are small. Do you find those yeah, kind of changes? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you want to talk about traffic specifically, every time if I were to get a little bit upset about traffic, I come to the realization I am the traffic. <laughs> I'm the one causing it. Me and everyone else, we're all causing the traffic. How, who else am I going to blame? I, my car is here just like everyone else. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But yeah, but people will get so caught up in their own lives. They're so mad at someone who cut them off or they're so mad. And I'm like, I just don't have the energy to deal with that. I don't have that. the energy either. Yeah. Me, me neither. No. And it takes a lot of energy to be angry. It's it, it, it takes everything out of you too. It's like you, it's almost like you're giving away your energy. You know, when, when you're in a state of mind of negativity and anger, you're giving that away. And yeah, yeah it's, it's hard. It's, it's a struggle. You have to learn to focus and um, kind of get out of that state. But, you know, since most people are not like us, you know, they haven't had this type of experience, we are working in a world with people who are angry like that. And so we have to snap them out of it. I read Tuesdays with Maury, and he, he was this older guy, and he said when someone would flip him off, he'd raise his hand really slowly, and he'd just wave and smile, you know, and just, you know, that disarms people. So silliness yeah. and humor is one way to disarm people and take them out of these moments, but, but yeah, there's, there's a, uh, we're operating in a world where a lot of people don't think the way we think because they haven't had our experiences. So what do you do to 
tell people about what you know, even if you don't directly tell them, you know, like through. Oh, no, I just directly tell them. Really? (laughs) I don't care if they're an atheist or whatever. I just, this is it. This is what happened. You don't like it. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) You just directly tell them. Yeah, I'm pretty open with people, like, no matter their belief system. Yeah, I do. I mean... I, I, I like to challenge people actually you know, from all walks of life and all angles and all perspectives. And I just and not challenge them like in an aggressive way. I just like to challenge them, like provoke them to think basically. I think that is one thing I actually learned from that experience because I, like, like, like I said, I didn't get all the answers from that experience. Right. So I like asking more questions now and I have even more questions now. So I go around and I try to, I try to provoke people to think more, you know, I really enjoy doing that. (laughs) I think it's a good thing. I think more people should be asking questions and considering maybe what they want to create in the afterlife too. I throw that out there a lot because maybe it's important for us in life to think about the heaven we want to create since we create more instantly there. So, you know, that's, there's, um, there doesn't seem to be any judgment in your near-death experience. And a lot of people, you know, like to hear the life review and how people became better. And there's a lot of people very uh, tightly wound around judgment, you know, that, that idea of being judged. What do you think of that? That makes no sense to me. Well, for, for me, I didn't have a life review, which I, I know is, is strange. Uh, most end of years are... People that had a body experience have had a life review for whatever reason I did not. And I think that was on purpose. That wasn't an accident. I think it was to show me that, look, you're loved unconditionally. That's it. That's all you need to know. Like, that's the most important thing. And that that is the number one struggle I've had explaining to very religious people when I return. So how do you think the near-death experience taught you to be better, though? I mean, or do you think it did? Because most people who have one do come back with a deeper caring about people on on some level and their experience. I've definitely, I definitely have the greater understanding of how we are all, we're all in this boat together, you know. Since, you know, I wasn't judged, we really should try not to judge each other. You know, no matter what, I mean, I know it's hard sometimes, you know, you see awful things, but we got to embrace one another as much as we could because we're all struggling here. We're all in this experience here, you know, and we got to love each other for sure. Well, and that's interesting because what I learned from my near-death experience uh, life review part was not to judge other people. And so maybe we just learned it in different ways. I learned it through a life review and you learned it through not being judged unconditional love yeah yeah and when people aren't judged they have the opportunity to grow they have the opportunity to learn something new to be different to choose differently is that part of it you think yeah and when people learn not to judge they could focus more attention on their own inner growth on their own you know trying to find out who they are in a sense, who they are in this reality. If you're focusing so much attention on this guy is doing that and that guy is doing this and all of this. And yeah, I mean, I get in that mode sometimes too. I mean, especially when it comes to politics and stuff, but you know, it's, I, whenever I get into that zone, I try to see the greater picture of everything that's going on, you know, like the whole perspective. And I think that's important just to branch out of that, like, tunnel vision and see okay why is it happening like this right now maybe there's something else going on that i need to focus on that pertains to to all of this and it's all connected to each other so that i think that's important on an individual level and on a and on a macro level too and all you know to always see the bigger picture Yes, yes. So it's that combination of going deep within yourself and then seeing the bigger picture simultaneously. That's why I was shown the the real of film reel of time because I I'm seeing the bigger picture. You know, it's all this play, this film that's being played. 
Yes, yes. So I have a, a question, which, you know, maybe you can pull from some of your experiences after the near-death experience. What do you say to people who are deeply hurting and they're almost like I saw people walking around in a fear bubble as if, you know, all they were consumed with is themselves and their life and their choices. And, oh, I messed this up and, oh, I did this and, oh, I did this wrong. And they can't penetrate through that wall of fear and whatever it is, anger that just surrounds them and keeps them connected in their life. What would you say to them about how to get out, how to connect, how to see this experience differently? Communicate with God as much as possible. I mean, I pray, meditate, have a relationship because you know, I was shown this close relationship and I'm trying to recreate that here, even though, you know, that's, but you could have a relationship. If, if you could have a relationship with God and pray and meditate and, and communicate, then a lot of those fears and, and those things, they just sort of start to dissipate because you reconnected with the source. So, yes. That's my perspective is pray, meditate, do something that will connect you to the spirit side for sure. Because yes. Otherwise you are going to be stuck in a fear bubble. And, and if you're, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. And if you're agnostic or atheist, I still tell people to meditate because the brain itself seems to like those moments of silence and that it makes you feel more at peace and calm. So even if you just yeah. start without the spiritual part of it, then you may open up that spiritual connection. Well, yeah, the physiological effects are proven by science that it, it helps your brain and everything. So definitely. Yeah. And if you could basically tell people too, uh, who are quite young, since you were quite young when you had this experience, uh, what perhaps they might need to think about beyond what this culture tells them to think about, what would you tell them to consider? Um, just to stop giving so much attention, just try to focus on who, I don't want to necessarily say your mission, but focus on your own uniqueness, you know, who are you? You know, why are you playing this avatar? Why are, are you in this role? Who are you as a person? You know, focus on that instead of, you know, just taking from here and taking from everywhere and trying to figure yourself out that way. Like, like Jesus said, go within. <laughs> I guess it's true. <laughs> yeah. It's a cliche, but it's true, though. It really is. You do have to go within. Yeah. And so since you bring up Jesus, did you gravitate toward any religion do you feel at ease um in churches spiritual events um what what are your beliefs now what do you what do you do to other than talk to god is that mainly what you do i to be honest i i don't feel at ease in, in many religious institutions no mm -hmm. i the closest thing okay actually the other day for some reason if it's like a very old church or an old monastery, like where I had that experience, maybe it brings back memories or I, I start getting that, that scent, like that godliness, that closeness. Like the other day I was in a old California Spanish mission and I love being in places like that for whatever reason. And I love the history and I love the art and everything, but in general, I feel disconnected from, belief systems or religious institutions in general because i i just didn't feel that god had a religion at all it's just he just is it's just super simple he just is he exists we exist and that's it yeah yeah and you brought up jesus though and i have had a spiritual experience with jesus many years after my near-death experience and you know, he was incredibly healing and emotionally healing for me. And so I think as a representative of that love of God, he does meet people. No, he does, no, for sure. No, I'm not saying that Jesus isn't real. I absolutely 
believe in Jesus. I've communicated with him and I pray to him and everything. I'm just saying like institutions, they, they don't, the, the human qualities of religious institutions, I just don't connect with at all, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but as far as, you know, Jesus and as being, you know, the coming from source and yeah, being a healer for sure, he definitely is. Yeah. And perhaps many near-death experiencers are just looking for that connection to God, you know, that connection to love, that connection to non-judgment and many institutions you know, there's too many thought forms at, at play yeah. and there's too many people creating rules and insisting on certain interpretations. And so perhaps that's why at times we are not at home in places like that. Well, I like how you mentioned that he's a, he represents God because I've always struggled with the idea that there could be a singular entity, a singular individual that is God. I mean, how could that be if everything is God, you know? I mean, I guess there could be, I, you know, there's a term, they're source souls. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, here's where I've come many, many years later after the yeah. near-death experience. Initially, I just liked a church or spiritual organization if I felt love. But now, I still feel that to a degree, but something that I add is the service part of it. You know, when people come together to really help this world in some way, and they do that because of religion, I'm encouraged by that, whether it's reading to kids in schools, whether it's building homes, you know, Habitat for Humanity, whatever that service is, and even service just on its own, it, it gets us out of that little mentality of this is my little world and, and really does connect us to something larger. So even if you haven't had a near-death experience, if you're involved in service, then I think you're beginning to break some of those boundaries of the ego. Well, it reminds me of Howard Storm, who's like my probably my favorite, one of my favorite people ever. I don't know if you, you've interviewed him before, but have you yes. read his book as well? Yes, yes. Yeah, in his, in, in his book, he asked Jesus, um, uh, I think he asked him, like, what religion is the right religion? And Jesus replies, whatever religion brings you closer to God. So there you go. You just basically said it, whatever brings you closer to that service and to that love, you know? Yeah. And perhaps even that isn't a religion for some people. Maybe it's the Peace Corps or her teaching or, you know, whatever it is that is bringing them closer to God. And that's, that's interesting. Wherever they are in their, you know, soul's evolution. Yeah. 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 Wherever they are. I mean, I do feel like that there, there are different levels of evolving there. So it could be, nothing for some people it could be you know the, the variety here is amazing the variety <laughs> of type of people and everything so all right my final question to you and you can take as long as you want with this and we'll end the interview this way if you want to pull from another spiritual experience since your near-death experience and just leave us with some wisdom from that uh, i would love to hear that hmm let me think here. Um, well, if you don't mind, I, I would, in that case, briefly get into the dark experience. Or if you don't want to talk to me to talk about that, I won't. Um, yeah, we can. <laughs> yeah, because no, I do feel like I learned a lot from that. And I do feel like it's important to talk about because um, I don't want people to get discouraged by the darker experiences because there's a reason for them. They don't happen just because, and that's what I realized from it. And this was an out of body experience that had a darker quality to it. So yeah, very, explain it. Very dark. Yeah. So as I had my first experience when I was 19, like I said, I was in a turmoil for at least like two or three years after that. And, um, which resulted in, in this very dark negative experience. And um, uh, without getting into too much detail, um, why I can relate so much to Howard Storm was because it was very similar to his in that sense. I was in a, I was in a dark space and um, 
the souls around me were filthy, screaming at themselves, full of hate, projecting their hate towards me. But in the end, after that, I feel like I was purged of something. So I felt an enormous sense of relief after that was over. When I was picked up by the, the dark figure and slammed back down to the ground. Like I said, I don't want to get into details, but after that experience, I, I actually feel like it rebalanced me back to where I originally should be going because I was, I was all over the place. I was a mess. So it was like a difficult purging process instead of this damnation or hell that people think of. Purification of the soul, possibly. Interesting. So how do you combine that idea of you could blow up a galaxy and be absolutely loved with having a really dark experience? What, how exactly. do you make sense of those? That is exactly it. That is the struggle I've been in for a long time. I've been in this state of unconditional pure love. And then I, three years later, I had this exact opposite. Like I felt like couldn't possibly be farther away, further away from God. But again, I try to look at the bigger picture, try to look at the whole perspective. What caused me at that time to, to get myself into that position? So it wasn't God's judgment, I don't feel at all. It was my own judgment of myself, my soul's judgment of me, basically. Mm, interesting. So if at any time, no matter what people have done, if they can be, in a sense, made pure by that love of God, then there's redemption and hope and power for them. But if they can't choose that within their own mind, then perhaps they might. Go through a purification process to sort of just smack them so that they remember who they are basically is how i look at it interesting like, hey, what are you doing it's 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 scary though it's not it's not a joke you know this is serious because but don't people do this in life don't they beat themselves up i mean you know you can see someone do it with alcohol and drugs and then come to a greater peace after hitting bottom right. i mean like you can see someone just kill themselves with the emotions inside of themselves that they just can't get a handle on until they give it to God and go, take it. I can't, I can't do it. And, and there is, you know, those moments that people have in life, does it seem like that was just the soul's moment and more grandeur having that kind of experience? That's exactly what happened to me. Like I couldn't handle my own self basically. And I was just in that state of like, pure it was just unbalanced and just spinning around in circles and i felt that's exactly what i needed to rebalance me as strange as that sounds hmm. like i don't see it as a negative experience anymore i did at first for the first few years like oh man that was awful what, what was that you know that was so dark but not anymore i feel like that was a necessary thing that my soul had to be shown in order for me to rebalance myself. Interesting. And, and then of course, IANS and other researchers who say, you know, a smaller, I think it's Jeffrey Long, he says a smaller percentage of people have negative experiences, but these experiences still are positive to one's life, that there's something that people generally take from them. And it sounds like you're, you're espousing the same thing. It could be, you know, it could be a variety of different things. It could be that they're, as a soul, you're releasing all your subconscious bottled up fears. Mm. All of those subconscious fears are now just, since you've projected that inside yourself, you're now experiencing that. Interesting. So, Interesting. It could be, you know, it could be a reason why some people have these dark experiences because they have these fears that they haven't released. So now they're experiencing the darkest aspects of those fears. So do you have any advice for people who are young like you were and had a near-death experience to reach out to communities or IEDs or any, um, any bits of advice? Uh, for people who have had an experience mm -hmm. like that? Yeah. Yeah. Don't be shy. Share it. Talk about it with everybody. 
it doesn't matter what their belief system is just share it. it don't push it on people you know just don't be like i know exactly the truth and you must listen to me no just be like look there's there's more to this there's more to life please like try to see the bigger picture like just be more open with people. Don't be shy. Awesome. Well, that, that fits in with my message of, <laughs> of uh, making this more mainstream so that more and more of us can talk about it and, and be in this place. Well, thank you, Daniel, for sharing your story with me. Thank you so much. Thanks for, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And for all of you watching, um, please check the links below. I really appreciate the support of my book, Angels in the OR, and I support um, all of your journeys. I love hearing from you. I love hearing from readers and I love hearing about your spiritual experiences and hope to see you out there in the comment land and on Facebook and other platforms. But thank you. <laughs>